Hello, and you are back in the Velvet Room with Joker the Fool. This is our 15th episode, and today we'll be discussing how you shouldn't beat the war drums and how the tide is turning against gender ideology. So we're going to get right into it by addressing the elephant in the room, and that's war in the Middle East, which is nothing new if you know about the history of that particular region of the world since ancient times. You've had um, wars going on between the various empires and factions. And, of course, since uh, British Palestine was broken apart in World War II and you had the formation of Israel, there's always been a state of war that Israel, Israel has been against. And you've had this conflict with the Palestinians and the Israelis. And that has escalated a lot recently with these recent attacks that Hamas afflicted onto Israel where they basically paratrooped um, people in, and I think the last time I heard is that the death toll is a thousand plus Israelis from that attack, and of course you've had the Israelis uh, bombing the Gaza Strip in response to that, and you've got all this um, calls for war. That's why you know I'm saying the term "beating the war drum" uh, from both sides. On uh, you know, you know the ones who support the Israelis, the ones who support. The Palestinians, and I'm here to say, this is my plea, I know a lot of people aren't going to listen to it, but peace is the best option. De-escalation is the best option. Now, of course, um, there is a lot of anger and animosity that goes back decades, and that's continuing on to this day for the Israelis and the Palestinians. So it's all it's, it's a lot more than just saying, like, hey, you know, let's calm down and try and get along. For a lot of uh, people, that's not that's not an option. If you've lost uh, family, if you lost children, if you had to, you know, see your own uh, women and children being uh, raped and mutilated, then you're not going to be in the mindset of wanting forgiveness. You're going to be in the mindset of wanting revenge and retribution. And I can understand those things, but violence is only ever going to beget more violence. And as you see with uh, this, as you see with uh, with this, if the escalation is going to happen, there's only going to be more graves to dig, and you're not going to bring back um, anybody's, um, and, and you're not going to bring anybody back from the dead, even if you get, um, you know, payments back in blood. You're just going to give more of a justification for this war, and we're going to lose more people, we're going to lose more children, more children, we're going to lose more of, uh, of our society to war which is a very unfortunate thing but that's the path i see us uh, walking down because you've got people who benefit economically a lot from more um you know whether it's you know private military companies weapon manufacturers uh the big wigs in the state of uh, you know the ones who run the uh the, the government the military in the government you know the generals the admirals the uh lieutenants you know the the first officers, whatever, you know, the terminology is for those higher-ranking military officials, they benefit from being in a constant state of war, and that's that's why you would, you know, that's why we wouldn't put it past um, these intelligence officials to let things fall through the cracks, you know, ignore certain things and let these attacks happen on their own people, on their own watch, so they can use that as a justification to escalate, right? Because, you know, if Israel moves in and tries to invade the West Bank, invade the Gaza Strip, which are two separate areas, um, and that those two separate areas, they're they compose uh, Palestine and Israel is in between that, if you don't know the basic geography of it. But 
Israel is in a position where they're justified to bomb and be boots on the ground and do all these sorts of things and say, hey, look, Hamas attacked us. Look at what Hezbollah did. So we're justified in doing this. We need to, you know, get our retribution back. So it's not going to be seen as much of a egregious escalation of war from on the side of the Israelis. Now, of course, the Palestinians are going to see it uh, that way regardless of what they do, and they're going to lean more into... Uh, their hatred of Israel, like I said, violence is only ever going to beget more violence. So if you are one of these people who looks at the situation and you've picked a, a flag to wave, uh, a side to be on, I would suggest not doing that. And I would suggest advocating for a peaceful resolution or at least a cool down of, uh, of tensions. But of course, it's going to fall on deaf ears for a lot of people. I can definitely understand if you're personally involved in this uh, situation why you would want uh, revenge and retribution but it's not going to do anything and it's not going to bring back um, what you've lost whether that's you know the people you've lost or the uh, cities that have been burned to the ground or all, all any of these sorts of things the only thing that we can do is hope for a peaceful future where we can rebuild prosper and thrive as one human species now I, I know that sounds a little bit sappy but that is the truth and the whole you know funny thing is is that it comes from a position of, well, I guess, you know, privilege for me is that I'm not really involved in it. I'm half a world away. I'm very much safe and I don't have um, anybody that I know personally on uh, any side of this conflict. And I'm, I'm fortunate in that case. But the, the funny thing about all of this is that you've got leftists who are agonizing on um, who to support to have the most amount of moral capital. Now, moral capital being the ability to be perceived as being morally right now is why I refer to it as moral capital. It's like having money, right? It's just money in terms of like being uh, the per like you have the most amount of money that confers on you certain uh, benefits. Having the ability to perceive that as being the most righteous, being the most moral, moral capital, and they're determined, they're doing this calculation of like, do I support the Israelis or do I support the Palestinians? And you'll find it's not as clear cut with the Ukrainian. Uh, war where it was support Ukraine or else you're a you know one of Putin's bootlickers. Now it's you know you support the Palestinians, then you're a bad person to a good bit of people. You support the Israelis, you're a bad person to a good bit of people. So there's a bit of confusion on which you know you know flag to put in your uh, Twitter bio, right? So that that's the whole thing, which is why I say. Uh, don't support any side and support a de-escalation of this conflict and saying, hey, uh, there's no benefit from inflicting violence onto other people. Uh, and there's no use for revenge. Revenge is very much a two-edged sword where you stab your enemy. It's going to only hurt yourself and it's only going to give justification for your enemy to inflict revenge onto you. And it just continues this awful cycle that the Israelis and Palestinians have been stuck in for uh, basically since the end of World War II when it, uh, Israel was founded and British Palestine was broken up as I uh, spoke about uh, just just a couple minutes ago. So that's my basic take there. I know it's very sappy, very much feel good, but it comes from my anarcho-capitalist perspective of being uh, of that war is something that's inflicted by governments onto other governments. They just rope ordinary citizens into it, and they use religion, they use ethnic um, differences, they use all these sorts of things to divide and conquer, or divide and get as much uh, territory that they can have a 
monopoly on force violence and ultimate decision making. But with that said, we're going to move on to the second topic of this episode, and that's going to be on how the tide is turning against gender ideology. Now, if you are following what Velvet Room Publishing is doing, you know that I'm writing a nonfiction book on gender ideology, and I feel less of a need to write this book, which is a fortunate thing, but I still feel a need to write it one and two. I'm I'm pretty deep into uh, doing this whole thing, so I'm going to do it. But uh, as I've said, there is less of a need for me to do it because society is moving back to a much more rational um, view on viewing, uh, on acknowledging the biological reality of sex. You've got this uh, one school in Pennsylvania. They tried to uh, do the whole transgender bathroom thing, you know, letting males use the uh, women's bathrooms because they feel like women, and uh, I had all the students walk out on that, and they reneged on that. You had the, uh, I think, I'm not sure if it was NCAA, but basically one of the big um, organizations that does uh, competitive swimming said, you know, you can't be uh, in the women's swim league unless you started your transition at age 12, Right, so if you wanted to be you know, a fully grown male who identifies as a woman and then tries to go into swimming, you can't do that. Now you could go into the own transgender category, and that's what they had. It's just that nobody joined it. So you've got less of a hold on um, trans women being in women's sports, which is definitely a good thing for women, uh, given the innate biological advantages that men have over women in terms of strength, in terms of body mass, in terms of the bone structure, making you move different lung capacity. I could go on and on, but it's very evident to any person who isn't deluding themselves that men are physically more capable of women. Not that, you know, it makes men superior to women. It's just a, a objective reality, right? You know, how women can give birth and men can't. And that's something that uh, makes women more valuable in terms of, um, when, when you're crunching uh, down in survival society, you could have a society survive with 10 men and 100 women. Can't really do it the other way around, right? Um, and that's because of the way um, human reproduction works. So there's differences between men and women, and those uh, make us better and stronger as a species when we respect, acknowledge, and don't um, degrade anybody's standing in society for the things that they can't control. But other than that... Of really, uh, really, what I am saying is that uh, women's sports—you know—there is still definitely more work to do, and this, you know, has to be from women athletes who have to see this stuff going on and refuse to engage with it. Um, but women's sports is—I I would say—definitely more on the way of being women's sports. So they're going to hopefully shake off this uh, psychosis of letting men compete as women and just absolutely dominating, right? And you've got the—you um, know—a lot of these gender clinics that were experimenting on children basically uh medicalizing children they've shut down they're not doing these sorts of things because it's coming out just how consequential it is uh, for the health of young people to put them on puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones before they've even developed and you're going to keep running into this objective reality of biology that one most people you know they don't need to acknowledge they just know um that men are men that women are women and they act accordingly Right, and that's that's going to uh, hopefully get people out, get well, get society out of the psychosis, and force the legacy institutions, the the corporates, to abandon uh, backing this, and it'll just be a fringe group 
of uh, people in that cult, and they're going to fade and whittle away. Not to say that they deserve to be completely forgotten. It's just what's going to happen because you know, a lot of these people don't want to have kids, uh, can't have kids because they've sterilized themselves, so their ideas are going to die with them. That's what happens to uh, people who don't do anything to build a legacy. And so, But that that is uh, what I have to say for this episode today. So it's just... Be nice to each other and live in reality. So that's the uh, little message I've got there today. So hopefully you enjoyed that and we're going to head out into the outro now. Thank you for being in the Velvet Room with Joker the Fool. Be sure to follow my substack, velvetroompublishing.substack.com to read Machine to Man and all my other projects.